Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, airing every Tuesday. I'm Melanie Blackman, the Strategy Editor for Health Leaders. My guest for today's episode is Dr. Allison Brooks, the Ginny Uberoth Executive Medical Director and Endowed Chair of Hogue Women's Health Institute, She also serves as a senior physician executive overseeing quality, patient safety, regulatory compliance, accreditation, performance improvement, infection prevention, and patient relations at Hogue. During today's conversation, Dr. Brooks shares how technology has had a positive impact on Hogue's patients, including VR and augmented reality solutions. Dr. Brooks also shares her career background and shares some insights into her authentic and curious leadership style. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. Dr. Brooks, I really appreciate you joining (laughs) me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. So before we jump into the questions, would you be able to talk about your career journey and how you've ended up at Hogue? Oh, wow. I'm getting older now, so there's a bit of a journey there. But I became very interested in becoming a physician at the recommendation of my mother, who said, you're a people person and you should be a teacher or a doctor. And I went off to college, I went to Stanford and pursued kind of a pre-med track and did a lot of sub-internships in the summer in healthcare settings. One of them that was the most meaningful was actually working in a nursing home as a nurse's aide and getting to know the patients there that were older and obviously needed full care outside of their home. And that was one of my initial kind of immersions into healthcare. But I went on to medical school at UC Irvine and stayed on to do an OBGYN residency there. Then was in private practice over in Newport Beach in the Fashion Island area for 23 years, where I practiced general OBGYN, delivering many, many babies and really enjoying taking care of women at the full spectrum of life, meaning at all ages and life stages, beginning in their early teens all the way. My oldest patient was in her early 90s. And I love doing minimally invasive gynecologic surgery because I wanted to see women undergo less traumatic surgical procedures and have faster recoveries and getting them back to themselves. But then I had this great opportunity midlife to go back and get some further education and leadership and as a chief medical officer and have gone away from the private practice of medicine and now am a senior physician executive at Hogue, where I oversee women's health programs. So we design and develop and create different programs around some of the gaps in women's health care. So maternal mental health, survivorship after breast cancer, early risk assessment, all types of things. So I've benefited from being a frontline provider and Uh, as an OBGYN and now in an administrative role, but still working with women. You're also the Ginny Uberoth Executive Medical Director and Endowed Chair of Hogue Women's Health Institute, correct? 
Yes, that is correct. I know it's a mouthful, <laughs> but, um, but we do have families that live in our community and individuals that are very, very philanthropic and supportive of different types of health care. And the Uberos family and Ginny specifically was on our board of directors for many years and helped do a lot of the community fundraising for our new hospitals and for many of the state-of-the-art technology that we have. And then she came forth and wanted to fund an endowed chair that allows me to have access to a significant amount of funds every year to develop women's health programs or to recruit physicians or other providers of specialty type of care. So it's really a wonderful, it's a privilege and it's a challenge and it's an honor. Well, that sounds really wonderful. And so jumping into my questions, how has Hogue Mm -hmm. integrated technology into its patient care and how has it helped create a better patient experience? That's a loaded question because technology is sort of mainstream now in healthcare delivery. But what I would tell you is that in the obstetrical realm of healthcare and specifically at Hoke Hospital, where we deliver the second highest volume of pregnant women every year. So last year, we 7,394 women came to Hoke Hospital to have their baby. And as you imagine, the age range of those women who are entrusting their families to us in the 20 to 40 age range, we'll just say, and they're very technologically savvy. And when we did some of our focus groups, when we were designing our new hospital, what we found is that they really wanted the majority of their care to be at their fingertips. So with their iPhone and They wanted applications so that one of the first investments we made was in being virtual lactation support. So using an application called Pacify that every woman who delivers at Hoke Hospital receives as a one-year gift, complimentary, is a subscription to, it's called Hoke Pacify, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week access to a certified lactation specialist and consultant that can help women that are struggling or have particular questions or concerns about breastfeeding. And this is not intended to replace in-person lactation consultation or lactation support, but we all know that it's not necessarily possible to have in-person support 24 hours a day and on weekends and holidays. We've served over 8,000 women using this virtual lactation support and have incredibly raised reviews. And they're very appreciative because they're busy. They want their questions answered on demand. So that's one example of technology. Another that I believe we wanted to, to discuss here was how Hogue is at the forefront of the application of virtual reality and augmented reality to help not only in educational content or information, but in actually diagnostic and therapeutic manners. What we embarked on about two years ago with an external virtual reality company called Behavior or Behavior, we collaborated to develop a 
VR application that was called Nurture VR. And the idea was to provide content and education and curriculum that would take a woman from her 28th week of pregnancy all the way through 12 weeks postpartum with the goals of empowering her with her pregnancy or on her perinatal journey, also improving some of the bonding experiences with her unborn child, with engagement with her partner or family member in this immersive virtual reality experience, and then also to increase and improve the readiness to be a new mom and to be able to withstand or manage that postpartum or fourth trimester period of time where there's sleep deprivation and fatigue and oftentimes feeling overwhelmed with physical changes and emotional changes and balancing work, family, travel, and newborn, etc. So this nurture VR in the final intent was to help pregnant and postpartum women develop a individual practice of meditation and mindfulness. And the concept was that when a woman is pregnant, they're more receptive to self-improvement or recommendations or suggestions of ways that they can get healthier or be healthier or reduce their stress or have a smarter baby. But they tend to be a very engaged purveyor of healthcare. So the idea was that if we could expose them to meditation and mindfulness and help them see the power of it, that they may develop a lifelong relationship with it that will give them improved health and life. How are you involved in creating this innovation? As an OBGYN, I was approached actually by a neurosurgeon entrepreneur at Hogue, Dr. Rob Lewis, who actually has established the augmented reality and virtual reality lab that we have at Hogue. And he approached me and said, we think that the maternal child health population would be ripe for this technology and that they would be the beneficiaries, large numbers of women who are looking for an immersive experience to help empower them and educate them and help them be more engaged and in control of their pregnancy and postpartum experience. So he's the one that brought me and Hogue to Behavior VR, and it has taken a significant amount of time and iterations to get it to where we have it today. And we are launching our clinical research to see if we're actually achieving the goals that we set out by enrolling women in the research trial that we're doing. What other innovations in women's health have you helped lead while at Hogue? The one that I would say that I'm the most proud of is that when I mentioned to you my middle of my life and my career, I went back and did a fellowship in leadership as a chief medical officer. And I was asked to design a program that was a population health or a public health type of program and get it launched within a two-year time period. 
And what I selected was to have all women that present to Hogue Hospital or one of our imaging centers for mammography for breast cancer screening, to have them complete a questionnaire on an iPad about their personal and individual and family risks of cancer, but also some of their other demographic information that would allow us to assess what their lifetime risk was for developing breast cancer. And we put that through an algorithm and a program and had a way of contacting all the women that had undergone this type of testing, letting them know if they had an increased lifetime risk of breast cancer, and then providing them with lifestyle improvement coaching at no cost through one of our nurse practitioners who was an advanced practice breast practitioner. And so they would discuss weight management and diet and exercise, as well as genetic testing and counseling. But even more importantly, the importance of regular surveillance and imaging for higher risk women, which would be a mammogram every year and a breast MRI every year. So that program went into place a little over six years ago. And to this point, we have screened and informed of the results over 60,000 women and have identified 275 women who were carriers of a genetic mutation that increased their risk for breast cancer. So this program that's called the Hogue Early Risk Assessment Program has allowed us to take women who are just presenting for breast imaging to receive their individualized breast cancer risk assessment and then be able to be counseled and followed ongoing if they prove to be a carrier of a mutation that increases their chances. It's really wonderful hearing all these great innovations in women's health care, especially, yeah. you know, since we've kind of have fallen behind on women's health in particular. So it's really, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. it's really great to, to hear all those and very inspiring. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, but there are many people that are very engaged in it. Opening up our conversation, you talked a little bit about your career journey. You've served as a board-certified OBGYN, and you've served in numerous leadership positions. So how would you describe your leadership style, and how does your background as an OBGYN physician help define that? A little bit of the servant leadership, but a lot of it of the curious leadership and the curiosity leadership. So going out and finding out what isn't working. What are your pain points? Is it access? Is it cost? Is it friendliness and feeling well taken care of or cared for? So assessing the pain points and then looking for solutions and getting the individuals that need to be involved and want to be involved, get them involved in designing the best solution in the shortest period of time so that pain point can be resolved. I would say that I'm very comfortable being vulnerable. So I got a lot of my inspiration from Brene Brown in 
a couple of her books and she obviously has some podcasts and other things that talk about daring greatly and being vulnerable and having boundaries and she has a number of really inspiring messages that I related to and have tried to deal in the way that I interact with individuals on a day-to-day basis that allow me to make progress in the areas of my passion and what our community has passion about, which is women's health, all aspects of it. The holistic approach to all of the healthcare needs and the experience for women of all ages and life stages. Oh, that's wonderful. I actually moderated a women in healthcare leadership roundtable a few months ago, and everyone was ah. uh, reading Brene Brown's newest book. She's wonderful. Oh. So I definitely <laughs> know where you're coming from on that. Yes. I think she's changed, you know, she's changed the paradigm for a lot of us. And, you know, by that, I mean, being able to to show when you're disappointed or when you're sad, to be able to um, control your range of emotion, but, but lead with authenticity and let people get to know you so that they trust you and listen or are willing to entertain what the conversation is that you may be bringing forth. Do you have any advice to offer to those who either want to work in women's health care or serve as an executive in healthcare. Just do it. So I think it's incredibly valuable. It's very meaningful work. We have so much work to do. And there are many women present and in future generations that depend on us driving forth and giving them the care that they need and responding to their evolving needs, wants, and desires. So we need to ask what they want, ask what their expectations are, ask what they're willing to pay for, what they're willing to drive to, how they want to receive their care. And it's our obligation to design around that. And then they will come. So I would encourage women to get involved in every aspect of improving how healthcare is delivered and experienced by women. Just do it. I love that so much. (laughs) Well, Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.